I'm going to give this little message. At the end, we're going to show a short video. So one thing we're going to, and I think we're going to be all right on it, but we have a bad uh, internet here. We've got the best we can get. Just can't get any better right now because they don't have any better for here. So if you if your phone is on Wi-Fi, I just would ask you to turn it off because everybody walks in and when we want to show something off the internet, well, we don't have high-speed internet here because they don't have the service here. So if you could help us out there in the next few minutes, that would really be nice because I really want you to see this video. It'll be the best part of the message, I guarantee you. Okay. Uh, but it really says something that I really believe the Lord wants to say to you this morning. Um, but what I want to talk about is um, I want to talk about cultivating a kingdom culture, okay, a kingdom of God culture. And so I want to just tell you a few things that I'll um, kind of hear so you can sort of get where my thinking is on this. You know, several years ago, I don't know how many years ago, there was a, a wave of revelation that came to the body of Christ on the kingdom of God. It, it was a freshness on that, and it mainly came through uh, Bill Johnson wrote a book several years ago, and that book really had a big impact on the body of Christ, even those who would sort of reject that style of Christianity. And that, that thing that just blew fresh breath and understanding on uh, the kingdom, and it really impacted a lot of people's lives. It brought a fresh revelation of healing to the church. It just, you know, because it came from a church versus an evangelist, it really impacted the church pretty big, I felt like. And, you know, uh, Jesus' culture, probably most people know who that is, you know, sprang out of that revelation. There was a, a, a heart of worship that came forth that, will all, that always accompanies when the kingdom is present. That's the outcome of God's kingdom being manifested in the earth is people will worship. You can always tell where a person's, where they are with God based on, on their worship. And so there was this move of worship that really came, and it was really, it wasn't about the worship, it was about the presence of the Lord, okay? And, and they became a widespread, and it is widespread today. I was amazed that they even categorize churches now as well, these, this is a missional church. This is a presence church. We always felt like we were both of those, right? Uh, but it's just a joy that many people began to be hungry for the presence of the Lord. That all came out of the kingdom being released in a fresh way, that people suddenly became aware that God's presence was everything that his presence was something that he wanted every person to experience on this earth. Isn't that awesome? And he still wants us. Well, that went on for a bit, and it was really good. And uh, then um, some things started happening. Uh, you know, there was the housing bubble that busted in, at the end of 2008. Y'all remember that. And see, that was a very critical moment in our nation. Uh, about the same time, there was a... There was a revival down in Lakeland led by Todd Bentley, and that thing just, uh, I don't want to say it imploded. Literally, it exploded in a bad way. It really, really, honestly, really set back what God was trying to do in the earth in the United States. I feel like that was, there was really some harm done. I'm not saying he did harm. I'm saying harm was done. Uh, 
you know, to, to the move of the Lord that the God had planned for the United States of America. And so, you know, we kind of, you know, began to see this ebb on this wave of the kingdom. It didn't go away, but the wave, the freshness, the breath of God that was on it began to subside. If you study revivals in history, most revivals in history, most moves of God in history only last two to four years. I mean, literally. And um, so that... But I don't really think that that has ever really ended, but it definitely doesn't carry the same breath on it that it did. Would you agree with that, most of you who are aware of, or paying attention to these types of things? And so, you know, we went through our own thing, you know, uh, our own sad stories, our own, you know, own personal. Everybody did. Everybody went through a hard time. Many people lost, lot went through a lot of loss. Uh, in that during that last few years of you know personal loss, people, there's people who lost their ministry. There's people who lost their fortune. Uh, there's it just loss was. We were in a time where where people it's like we were, things were being taken away from us. Okay, that's the way it felt. People were being taken away from us. Dreams were being crushed. Uh, it was just a very challenging time. You know, we don't want to dwell on that, but that's the, that's the truth of what happened. Many many churches, I know many pastors to this day have not even recovered, okay, from that period of time. It was just, you know, it was a setback. And, you know, I think, you know, for me, you know, didn't last year, last year really was a time for, for me, okay, and I hope for you it was a time of healing, in a time of restoration. I mean, I really felt that's what the Holy Spirit was, was doing. And, you know, I've shared a little bit that that was sort of a difficult time for me personally. You know, be still and know that I am the Lord sounds wonderful in the Bible. It is hard to do in your life. I just will say that. In fact, let me just say this. It's beyond hard. It's impossible to do that apart from the grace of God working in your life, the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit telling you over and over, no, 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 just don't, no. I mean, that was sort of the sound that came into my head over and over is just, no, don't do that. Just, it's just a time to trust me um, and a, a time to depend on me. And that was a, that was a challenge. Uh, but, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, I really felt the Lord begin to stir in me, in my heart, in a fresh way. And I don't know how to describe it to you, what I felt, but I felt within me, I felt this movement, this motion in me, okay? Uh, the wind of the Spirit inside of me. I felt there was something blowing in me. I felt there was something running in me, and I knew the time was over with, that time of being still, not that you don't ever quit being still, but you, you know what I'm saying, that God was saying, you know, that he was beginning to stir. And the way I began to engage that stirring was, what, what makes the difference? I was asking, well, what's the difference in our lives when we, what I began to see was this. It's not when you focus on healing that you get healing. It's not when you focus on having good worship that you have good worship. 
It's when you begin to focus on the kingdom of God and begin to do that. Seek the first the kingdom, the Bible says, and all these things will be added. All the things in life that you and I desire and all the things in our life that we need both from a practical, physical perspective to a spiritual perspective. In other words, if you want to be have a healing ministry, the, seek first the kingdom. Because within the kingdom, everything is contained within the kingdom. It's what Arthur Burt used to say in a very simple way. The greater includes the lesser, but the lesser does not necessarily include the greater. In other words, the kingdom includes healing. The, the kingdom includes worship. The kingdom includes missions. But missions does not necessarily include the kingdom. And so the way I got on this, this thought was it was about the missions because I was asking the Lord, how have you done missions at River Life? Because we never talk about missions at River Life except when we're doing it. We never have preachings about it. That may not be a good thing, but it's just something that has sprang up organically because it's something God's called us to do. But it's not because we put a focus on it. Are you following what I'm saying? So... Anyways, y'all okay so far? <laughs> so, I feel like God want, is, is starting to bring a thought to us about the kingdom. That it's time, you know, okay, it's time to move on. It's time to really shift your thoughts and shift what you're, you're you know, it's time to shift away from the past season. Okay? And it's time to begin to look forward again. And see, that's what I felt. It's time, you know, you look, when you're driving a car, you don't look down, you look forward. That's how you, you know what I'm saying? I remember when I was first driving a car, I kept going off the road because I was looking right down in front of the road at, in front of the thing. And I discovered you can look ahead because time you look, your car's there. You got to look where you're going. And I think that's where God really wants to do is He wants to stir up in our heart. He wants us to cultivate a kingdom culture. Okay? Are you? And so the question is, how do you do that? Okay? I mean, it's easy to say, well, seek first the kingdom. That's how you do it and, you know, move on your merry way. But that's just not how life works. <laughs> okay? You got to. So I, what I did is I, thought, I went through and thought about, number one, I thought about, Jesus' life is how did Jesus, what happened to Jesus? How did he come into everything he came into? Okay? Which to me is like, well, duh, that's the way you seek first the kingdom is you sort of, Jesus is the model, right? He's the model, model human. He's the model person that we all want to follow. And so that's, that's what I did. I was sort of looking at his life and began to see things about him that I felt like were like absolutely the essentials. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about this morning for a little bit and then show you the video. Are you all all right? Let me read Exodus 5-2. Um, it said, this is a, an amazing scripture because in 1990 the Lord spoke this scripture to me, so made it so real in my life, this question. This is Pharaoh was, you know, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go that we could serve the Lord. And, and Pharaoh had this great thing. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. 
nor will I let Israel go. Isn't that a powerful? Who is the Lord? And so th- that's the, like, the question that each, each of us have. Who is the Lord that I should serve Him? Who is the Lord that I should give Him worship and say, you can have it all? I mean, who is the Lord that we should point our lives towards Him? You know what I'm saying? Who, you know? And so I think that's the question that every human being on this planet at some point is going to have to answer. You know, some people answer it the wrong way. They choose not the Lord. But I think it, there's different times in our life that God will begin to ask us that question and cause us to ask ourselves, who's the Lord that I should serve? Who's the Lord to me now? And so I believe that that's really the foundation that everything works off of. I believe er- everything in life, you cannot see life correctly without seeing God correctly. It's impossible it's impossible to see life. It's impossible to look at your life properly without seeing Him properly. To the degree we see Him properly, to the degree you see yourself, to the degree you see other people, to the degree you see what's going on in the world around you. And that's the truth. And that's why so many people are tied up and bound up in their lives with issues it's because they're not really seeing the Lord properly. They don't know the Lord for who He really is. And um, y'all are, are just so quiet. <laughs> it just make me nervous. <laughs> nice beard, dog. <laughs> um, I was looking at this picture of me when I was in the first grade and second grade. It was a class picture. Somebody put it on Becky's Facebook. There I was sitting there, you know, in my little seat, with my hair slicked down, and little boy. I had hair back then. Trust me, I used to have a lot of hair. Somewhere along the line, it just got tired of me and got on somebody else. That's the only thing I know. Anyway, I was looking at this little boy sitting in that picture, and remember, and I was looking at all my classmates from that time. I could remember every one of them, you know, and... You know, wondering what happened to them and, you know, telling Becky about the one girl in the class that, like, she was always like a model, Becky. Even in the second grade, she looked like a model. (laughs) And she grew up looking like a model. I thought she had to be a model. But the thought I had was about myself, of how insecure I was sitting sitting there in that desk that day. How I was insecure. I was... I was afraid. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel good about myself. I looked at other people, uh, the other children, and I thought they were better than me. They had something more than me. They, were, you know, they, they dressed better. They looked better. They had a better life than, than me. And you know, that's how I lived a lot of my life, you know, fighting those feelings of being not measuring up and wanting so badly to measure up. And now today I look at that and think, how wrong I was about my life, totally wrong. How wrong I was to see myself like that and to see life like that, that I was just all, it was all backwards because everything that happened, I will, I see my life now in terms of everything that I went through in my life, God was using it to serve me. Even the things that I felt were negative, that we may even say are negative day, like not living, you know, being, being, growing up without much. We could say that's a negative thing, but not in God's hand. 
not in, not in his plans and purposes for people. You can be uh, very poor in terms of, you know, broke in terms of this world, but God can be using that in your life if you can see it from his perspective and seeing how he's using everything in your life, everything. You know, and so I realized how we, it's almost like every opinion that I have, I have to look at that opinion and say, maybe I should turn that opinion because God has something completely different to say about this. In other words, when I look at a person, I may need to flip how I think about that person and what they're going through or what they've done or what they haven't done because God may look at it completely different. He may see what they're going through completely different and how, you know, we're ruled by our believing, how what we believe about things, what we believe about people, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about what's going on in our lives. And many times what we're believing is totally wrong because we're, because we're looking at it from our perspective and we look at the Scripture that way. Totally thinking is saying one thing when God's saying, that was never my intent. That was never my intent. And so what God wants to do with every human being is He wants to reveal Himself to us so that we can begin to really know us, yourself, and you can begin to know everything that's going on around you in your life and how your life really is. It's a gift from God when that begins to happen in your life. It is a gift. And there's not a lot of people walking in that gift, I'll be honest with you. Very few Christians are walking in that gift. But some are. Some are getting on that journey. I, like I say, 1990, it's a long road for me to really come into this. But I think it's necessary if we're going to walk in the kingdom, if we're going to live people as kingdom of God people, that we have to know who's the God of this kingdom, who's the ruler of this kingdom. Is he worth following? Do we, is he worth giving my allegiance to? Not just a theological worth, not just something the Bible says or another person says, but is he truly worth that? Is he truly worth that? See, there's a big difference in me reading the Bible and believing how, how great God is. Is a whole other difference when I begin to experience how great God is myself. It's a whole other experience when you look out and say the heavens declare the glory of God from a biblical, but when you, one day you see with your heart how glorious he is, see, things start changing in your life. Things start changing. And see, that's... To me, how Jesus came into this revelation. He, he knew something about God that nobody else knew at that time. He knew, he knew the answer. Who was the Lord that I should serve him? He knew the answer to that. And see, I think that's fundamental to the kingdom of God. And us having kingdom, kingdom hearts. All, all right, let's read Luke 3, 21 through 22. Because I have to hurry up for the video. Video's really good. All right, well, we've talked about this so many times, I feel kind of embarrassed talking about it again, but not really, because I love this, because this, this is foundational right here. This is foundational. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. So let me just say this, okay? Let's just cut right to the chase. If you haven't been baptized in water, you need to. You need to get baptized in water. Why? It ain't going to get you into heaven. 
But Jesus was baptized in water. If he was, that's right. However else you believe on all that, that's good enough. And I promise you, if you do that, something will happen in your life. It will, it will do something. It will help you really grow spiritually. It will help you love the Lord. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. It, don't you love that? As I have said many times, that does not mean open like open the door. It literally means torn open, torn, ripped, like a piece of material was ripped open. Like when he died on the cross and when he said it's finished, it says the veil was ripped from top to bottom. That's the only other time it uses that same, it's the same word there. So I want you to, I love that. I don't know about you because it says to me, Jesus immediately had an open heaven. He had an access into the spiritual realm right there. That's when it happened for Jesus. Okay? And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And that's awesome that we got the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. He just happened to look like a dove that day. Uh, You know, the government. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. So that's the defining thing in Christ's life is identity. You see, that little insecure boy that was sitting in the classroom didn't have that. I didn't have identity. I was a banded felon. I didn't have a voice saying to me, you're great, you're loved, you're accepted, you belong. I did not have that voice resonating in my heart. Therefore, I was afraid. I was insecure. And you know what it did to me later? It worked in my heart and I became very mean. The resentment in me would lash out at my you know, friends, you know, boys get in fights. You know, so you feel intimidated, so you get mad and you go after them and start hitting them, doing crazy stuff. I mean, it even got worse in my life. You see, everybody reacts differently to the hurt in them. Okay? Everybody does. Everybody, because everybody is abandoned. Everybody was born into abandonment. You can't escape it. That fact, but you can't escape being abandoned. You see, Jesus did this for us. He did this for you and I. He did this because he was saying, you need this. You need this or else your life is always going to be messed up. And you're going to do stuff over and over in your life hoping that somehow you can answer this thing in you. And you can answer it for a few days. You know, it's like I told Becky over and over, like, you know, I hate to preach really good at church on Sunday. Because you know what that means? <sighs> I can't outdo myself. <laughs> like, I'm just not, just not even going to try. Because then I got pressure on myself to do that again. You know, so we, we're trying to, you see, that's a part of that old bad thinking. You know, because no, it has nothing to, you know, I'm already love. I'm already accepted. I don't have to do nothing to get that. I mean, I'm done with, right? You're you're free from that. When those thoughts come, you can say, "I don't need that." I, you know what? I don't care. I'm gonna do whatever I do before the Lord, and He'll sort it out for me at the right time. So, in the natural, I've said this a lot of times too. 
a father's job is to give his children identity, right? That's who gives identity is the dad. The father gives the identity. The father gives security for an insecure heart. And this father provides. And you can see all of this that happened with Jesus. That's what he got at that moment. He got his identity. I'm, you're a beloved son. You belong. I love you. You're accepted. He got all of that at that moment. He got this security that he needed in his heart to walk away from that place knowing something about the Father. He Suddenly, the Father made himself real to him. He knew something. It wasn't a theological thing. It wasn't a mind thing. It was a heart thing. It touched him on a deep level. And he walked away from that moment knowing something that nobody could take from him, that he owned that was his motivating factor for what he was going to walk into because he walked into some stuff. He never did anything before this. He never did a miracle. He only spoke once that we know of that they felt like was they wanted us to hear about. Didn't you know I need to be about my father's business as a 12-year-old boy? Right! You know, 20 years or 18 years later, he was launched into his father's business. We don't know what happened in those 18 years. He was in, in the apprenticeship with the father, working. And finally the day the father said, you're ready to take over the business. And so the Lord's Prayer, our Father, one, revelation of the Father, gives us day our daily bread, provision, heavenly provision, the Father provides for you. Two, forgive me for my sins as I forgive us. Heavenly relationships, the inward thing, the soul thing, the devil, delivers from evil. There's a devil out there. He's still out there. You know, y'all see that? That's why that Lord's Prayer is so big. It's still big today. I don't care what anybody tells you. I've heard people say, well, that prayer doesn't, it's no longer a, a, a sufficient, piece of inadequate prayer. It's, it's been done away with. Like, what? Really? You can go to your house and look. You know, you got some problems in your home. You got any kids that are falling away from the Lord? You got you need healing. You need that prayer. You need what the Father has. So don't tell me that prayer is done away. I'll fight. I'll go back to my sixth grade antics. Okay? I'll fight with you about it. He might beat me up, but I've got sons that can fight. They're strong boys. I'm just kidding. Anyway. One thing that I would want to say, you know, to parents about this, you know, one thing you can teach your kids that's really important is, is how to share and not be selfish because we're all selfish, when, right? We don't people getting our French fries, <laughs> right? Don't even look at my French fries. Can I have one of your French fries? Not really. No, don't touch my, you know, you start messing with my French fries, you're getting really too close to me, okay? Because I love French fries, and somebody wants one of my French fries, I'm taking it personal. So, unless they're really soggy, then you can have them all. Yeah, you can have them all. But I think with parents, you know, you teach your kids how to share their toys. These are the practical things. You teach your kids how to share their toys. Teach them how to share their food. Because you're teaching them something that's really important. Otherwise, they'll grow up to be selfish and they'll be takers. 
Okay, nobody wants to be a taker because taker, here's what takers do. Takers perpetuate the world we're in, the darkness, the hurt, and the pain. That's what takers do. Givers do something else. Givers release something. Okay, so really there's two kinds of people in the world. There's givers and takers. You have to decide which one you are. Okay, are you a giver or a taker? You know, and that's really a big deal in the Father's heart is do you have a giving heart? Do you have a heart to share what you have? Or do you have a heart to accumulate and not share? And that's really not healthy. And I love givers. I grew up in a family. Let me just tell you this about giving. I grew up in a really poor family. We didn't have nothing. We lived from week to week. We would fight over candy in our house. If they would buy candy, it was a fight in the house because there wasn't going to be any more for a while. My sisters never figured out that I'd go in and steal a bunch of it and then go get my allotment. And everybody would wonder, well, this is a small bag of candy. Like, yeah, it's real small. It's in the back of my pocket. <laughs> that was bad, wasn't it? They never figured that out. Until one day, I just got a taste. One day I had this candy in my mouth. I wasn't supposed to have any. And I got choked on it. And my daddy had to go and hit me in the back, and it, boom, this piece of candy spit out. Where did that candy come from? That's what my sister said. You're not supposed to have candy. Oh, you know, that was that piece we got earlier, and I took it out and put it back in the wrapper. I was clever, man, in a bad way. I put it back in the wrapper and stuck it back in here like God sitting there and right. You're called, son. I don't know how I got on that, but. Oh, anyways, but my family would, they were givers. They would take people into the house with us, with our nothing, and live with us. People that were dangerous. I mean, literally, these were dangerous people. We had a guy one night out in the yard shooting at our house. My dad was at work, and his son was in there, and he wanted him, and the mama was in there, and we were all huddling in, he was shooting over the house, and... Because this family was in distress, they didn't. They had a little less than we did, so we took them in. And so I sort of learned that's what you do in life. That's just the way you're supposed to live. And then I married a woman who will give everything away. I mean, like, please don't give that away. Why are you giving them money? We don't have no money. I mean, literally, she will go and somebody say, "Oh, that's a nice purse." And she'll go out of the car and pour stuff out in the floor, I'm telling on her, and go hand the woman the purse. And it's like, oh, what are you doing that for? <laughs> it's like you can't escape. But I have found out that givers, wherever they go, they release something. They're releasing the nature of the Lord because the Lord gave everything. And so I guess what I'm saying is let's don't be stingy. And you've got something to give. You've got something. You've got it. The poorest of people have something. And I, I just feel like with parents especially, train your kids to be givers. You would do, a big, you would do them a big favor in life. I mean, I, I'm just saying that, okay? Are you all right? I really, okay, let me read this. So, let me read John 14, 6 through 9. Then I'm going to tell you quick things about this. See, remember I'm talking about cultivating the kingdom. I hope I didn't lose that thought with you. This is what Jesus said. To him. Jesus, this is when, uh, you know, they were asking about the Lord about how to get to heaven. Because he said, I'm going to heaven, man. I'm out of here. And they were saying, well, where are you going? How are you going to get there? Blah, blah. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We know that. That scripture has been wore out. We need to get a refreshment on it, right? 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father. Okay? Also, from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful verse. Because the truth is, every one of you in this room, whether you are conscious of it or not, and every person out there in the world, they're they're saying the same thing. Show us this Father. We want to see the Father. Because when we see the Father, answers start coming. We've been trying to answer stuff. We can't answer. I can't answer who I am. I can't answer what I'm supposed to do. I can't answer what my life is supposed to look like. Only He can. He's the only person who can answer it for you. Okay? And that's what Philip was saying. We're looking for answers. We've got to have some answers here. You're saying all this stuff and there's a mess going on here. And see, that's what we're saying to the Lord. We need some answers, God. What happened? Why did this happen? We need some answers. And he's saying... The Father. The Father's the answer. He's the answer for you. He's the explanation for you. And I'm going to tell you, that is the explanation. Because when we start seeing Him, then we start seeing the veil that's over us, the cloud that's over our minds starts lifting and we start seeing things a little different. It'll be sufficient. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Now, that's just profound. Jesus came to the earth to save man, right? But he also came to the earth to demonstrate the Father. So everything that you see in Jesus in the Gospels is what the Father's like. That's why we have the Gospels. Jesus came to say, If you see me, that's what the Father's like. Everything. And so he wrote, they wrote all that down so we could begin to catch a glimpse of the Father. Oh, that's what the Father's like. He's like Jesus. He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's what he said. So how can you say, show us the Father? How can you say that? Well, he knew the answer. Now, John 14, if you go on and read it, I don't have time for this, but it outlines a lot of things that can happen in a person's life when they begin to come into this revelation of the Father. Okay, now this is important. John 14, 12 says the greater works. Now, I want to tell you this. The greater works come, come after we get this revelation of the Father. Okay? Call unto me and I will answer. We're going to get to that. That's John 14. John 14, 13 is answer to prayer. That's what it says. Jesus said this, if you ask me anything in my name. He said anything. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Anything. If it's in his name, if it's according to his heart, if it's in him, he promises he'll do it. He don't say I'm going to do it this second, but he promises that. Now, I know that's, people get all messed up on that. I don't care, but that's what he said. Let me just give you a quick example that I had this, I was thinking about some things about myself recently. Saying, well, maybe this is what I should be doing now. Okay, maybe I should cut back here, do this, do that. And I was thinking about it, and this guy sends me, right as I was thinking about it, 
sort of semi, not asking the Lord about telling him, I'm thinking about doing this, Lord. I get this text from this guy, Byron. I had a strange dream about you last night. We were sitting in church, and they were a, there were some of those adult diapers sitting on the front row between us. And you took one of the adult diapers and you put it on over your pants. He said, and I was really surprised how comfortable you were walking around with those adult diapers on. What does that mean? And I said, well, it means depend. Because they are depends. Remember? It means depend. It means I need to depend on the Lord instead of coming up with some cockeyed thing that I was coming up with my mind. Literally. That's an answer to prayer. And I said, I guess I just need to kind of humble myself right now. That's what I really need to do instead of telling the Lord stuff I need to be doing or I don't need to be doing. Well, actually, I was saying, you know, I think I'm just going to I'm going to cut back preaching, Lord. I'm going to go, I'm going to cut it back, way back. I'm going to stop doing it. And the Lord said, you need to depend on me for that. That's what you need to do, depend on me. Isn't that good? Then in John 14, 16 through 17, Jesus talks about the comforter. Anybody need a comfort? And he said, the comforter's coming. And then he said something in 17, the spirit of truth. Two times he mentions the Holy Spirit. Right there. Isn't that awesome? That he's coming. Then in verse 18 he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. He's, I'm, and that word there in the Greek is literally the word we get, orphan. He promised us that. He's promised us when we begin to know the Father, that spirit that abandons, insecure, fearful spirit that operates on every person, that he'll break it off of us. He'll, he'll remove that out of your life, the influence out of your life. Yep. NIV. Anyways, you know what that means, the newly inspired version. Then in verse 19, he promised us that we would see him again. We would see him and have access to his life. This is amazing what's in this one, one chapter in the Bible. Then in verse 21, he promises his, us his love and says, I'm going to manifest myself to you. The Lord has promised us to manifest himself to us. See, when you begin to get this revelation of the Father, you're going to start seeing some things. You're going to start experiencing some things. And then in verse 23, he says, I am going, me and the Father are going to live with you. We're going to, our abiding presence is going to be with you. Isn't that amazing? That God has, has promised, that's the vision for the Father's house, is the manifest presence of the Lord, sitting in a place. And He's promised this. He's promised that, we have, that He is going to do that. That's the dream, is to have that where you could bring the world into that place and say, here's the Father. And when they come into that atmosphere, their lives be radically changed. That's what God wants to do. And he promised us right here, it's right in the Bible, John 14, 23. I've had people ask me, where do you get up this from? Right here. It's in the Bible. He's promised us. This is not just some charismatic dream of presence of God sitting in different places in the world. It is the dream of Jesus Christ for the church. 
It's His dream. And we cannot let go of that dream ever. Ever. And then, in verse 25 through 26, the third manifestation, I'm going to send the Helper to you. And He's going to begin to remind you of things. He's going to show you how to access the spiritual realm. Isn't that awesome? And then in verse 27, He says, I am going to give you peace. Not just any old peace. I'm giving you my peace. The peace that He walked in. He promises us, you can have this peace of mine. No pun on words intended. Peace of mine. He promised us that. The peace that he carried. It's like he's saying, I got some peace in me here. You want some of it? Take some of it. That's pretty good. And then in verse 29, prophetic insight. I told you these things before they happen, so when they happen, you'll believe. That's what he said. And God has given people prophetic insight. And he wants to release more prophetic insight. Not just about us, but about what's going on in the world out there. And I was thinking about some of the things the Lord gave me, and I'm not a prophetic person. I've just had some amazing things happen to me that I knew what was going to happen. I knew this. I knew this. Wachovia Bank, I saw a vision of the building downtown on fire. And I knew that bank's going down before anything ever came out. Remember a few years ago, Wachovia, it's not Wachovia no more. Wachovia's gone. It's Wells Fargo. It burned to the ground, literally, because of stuff. I don't know what they were doing. You know, God wants to show stuff to people like that. And I want, like when it happened, like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm getting my money out of Wachovia. What little bit I got. <laughs> I did do that. I, st- I went and got into another bank because I saw that fire. Something's going to bad happen. I don't want my money to burn up. I didn't have much, about 50 bucks, but, you know. <laughs> 50 bucks is 50 bucks, right? And I remember when we had that hurricane and all the gas was gone. Remember that a few years ago? I saw that. I remember one night... I saw something's going to happen. I saw all the way from Statesville to Rock Hill. I saw no gas in a vision. One night we were driving, and I saw a man. This is after it. There was no gas station. I saw him run out of gas and get out of his car with a little gas can, walk into a gas station thinking, that poor soul, that gas station is not open. It was right off in the Interstate 77. Now, you think, well, what are you supposed to do with that? Well, you're supposed to believe. God, that's what Jesus said, you believe. Are you all following this? See, God wants us to have all this, but He don't want it to be random. He wants it to be all the time where He's beginning to show us stuff. This is what, how the kingdom of God works. This is how God wants the kingdom to work. But let me just say this. I'm running out of time. Something else. There's something else. Are you all okay? There's something else. See, all this is wonderful and all this dream of God's kingdom and all these things that God wants to do in our lives, but there's one other thing that I don't think we really want to hear about this morning, okay? And this is what it is. It's Jesus went through that whole experience. Let's read verse 1 and 2 of Luke 4. This is the very next thing after he had this encounter with heaven. You're my beloved son. I love you. You're awesome. You're wonderful. You're the best thing ever. Go get them. And it says the Holy Spirit, then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led, and one of the translations says, driven, driven, where? Into the what? The wilderness. Where's Marlon at? Where's Marlon Magusu? Marlon Magusu got a word last week, a grandiose word. 
I get one about depends. <laughs> he gets one about signs and wonders and miracles. I hate to say this. I don't care what kind of words you get. You're going to walk this way. There's something going to happen in your life. It, it's necessary. It's necessary. This is necessary. Jesus walked into the wilderness, and guess who was there? And he fasted for 40 days, and then he got hungry, which is weird. Okay? Right? I mean, I love breakfast. <laughs> Breakfast. That's what it really means, right? I love that. I get to eat. I hadn't ate for eight hours. So nine hours, I'm, I'm hungry. Can you imagine being there like 40 days? You know, like I'm hungry at 10. Like 10 o'clock, I'm hungry on my first day of fasting. Like, oh, I'm about to starve. I don't think I'm going to make it 40 days. Well, he got hungry after all that, and then the devil was there, to, and he had to face the devil. Okay, let me read this one more scripture to you. So whenever you get a prophetic word, let me read this one more. Because I, I, I really feel like God's given me a lot of insights about this recently because I wanted to know because of all the stuff we've gone through. I want to know, Lord, listen, i got to have some answers here, Lord. Now, I'm telling you, i got to have some answers. I went through hell, Lord, but before I went through hell, I got some stuff from you that was real. And suddenly what I got was opposite. I need to know about this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, you, you and I got to face some things. And this is what Hebrews says, uh, 10.32, Recall the former days in which after what you were illuminated, after you got revelation, after God spoke to you, after God said something to you, you what? You had to go through something. You had to go through something. You had to endure. And he ain't talking about getting sick. He is talking about mental anguish and stress. Sufferings after you get this revelation. And that's the part we hate. God speak to us. We have this amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit River. You get up and walk out of there and you walk right into the devil who's sitting there waiting on you. Waiting to find out what's really in you. And so many Christians never finish from there. They throw their revelation away. They throw their dream away. That wasn't a real word from the Lord. Even though it was. Because God's deserted me. Where are you, God? Where's the answer? So I walk in the room, and you know what he says? Byron, this is Bob, sit down right here. Right in front of him. He sort of looks, look in my eyes. I'm like, I don't want to look in your eyes. I don't want to, I don't even want to be here. Can I just run away and hide? I'm a failure. Don't you see? God didn't meet me. God didn't answer my prayers. I am a failure. Can't you see that? I'm exposed. And he started talking to me about hoping in the Lord and the faithfulness of God and that God is on the other side. And he just didn't know anything at that moment. And then this other guy said, hey, how about the insurance? <laughs> like, no, nah, don't talk that. I ain't putting no hope in no insurance. And I kept thinking, well, why does he want to talk about hope? I need faith. I don't need hope. No, you need hope, son. You've, your, hope's, your hope's down. Church needs hope again because when we have hope, we'll have faith, right? So, I want you to watch this video. It's by Heidi Baker. Okay? It's two and a half minutes. It's really good. 
everything I just said to you, all this rambling and current stuff I did, she says it so much better. But I just love this video. Can we do that, Denise, or are we on to go? Bless Denise. She's, she said she would try her best to do this. But it's really good. Well, we won't put pressure on video while they're doing it. Just, I really want, you know, I want to, my whole goal in this is to stir your hope again in the Lord. And hopefully your dreams that you have in your heart, that you felt like you lost. I'm here to tell you, if them dreams are from the Lord, you haven't lost those dreams. God wants to stir those dreams in you again. I don't care how old you are or anything. I'm Heidi Baker. <laughs> While they're trying to get this, Heidi Baker's a missionary in Mozambique, has raised up thousands of churches, thousands of orphans, been pulled off the street and saved, and are being fed, and thousands of children every day are fed under her ministry. People have been healed in many miracles. Okay, but I want to tell you this, Heidi Baker has gone through hell to get this. Her husband almost died, she almost died. Her daughter was raped when she was four years old. Her baby girl was raped by a man they were trying to help. She paid a price to say this, if we can hear. All right, we're getting there. That's powerful, wasn't it? I think that's a word for people in this room. I really do. I think some of you, you know, who hadn't? Who hadn't give up? Tell me, who hadn't? There's been moments where we've all just given up. But I think we, God is calling us back now. I think he's saying, listen, I want you to hope again. I want you to believe again. I want you to be vulnerable again. I, I really want you to reach out for me because he hasn't given up on us. His dream for us is still alive. It's beating in his heart. And I just feel, I just want to encourage you today and, and ask you, beseech you, really. I mean, you know, the Lord really is worth everything. But the Lord really wants you to carry what he's placed in you. He wants you to carry it and see the dream come true. And so why don't we stand up for just a moment here. And uh, I think we're just at a moment in time where, where God is saying you can begin again. You know, whatever your dream was that you lost or you thought you lost, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to help you.
today. And I want to pray for those of you who have promises, you know, that you might be fixing to walk into something. You know, Jesus said, I pray your faith won't fail. That's what he told Peter. You know, and some of you have already walked into it, walked through it, and walked out the other side, and you're kind of wondering, like, what now, Lord? Well, Father, we just pray today, Lord. Mm, we just ask you, Holy Spirit. We're just asking you to come on people in this room right now. These hearts, these wounded hearts, these disappointed hearts, these hearts that have just felt like that things just didn't work out. The dream died. The person died. The thing just went away. What happened, Lord? What did I do wrong? Why did you just leave me in that situation, Lord? I just think the Father wants to say, you just don't see it the way I see it. But if, if you'll let me, I will show you. I will reveal to you what my heart's really like and how I see it. And I can bring the healing. I can bring the dream. I can bring the miracles again in your life. I can do something in you. I can do something in you. I can do something for you. I can do something for the ones in this room. You know in your heart, you know the fire is way damp down. You know that you are, have drifted somewhat from that presence, that anointing, that thing that you desired so much, it was so real. You know that it's sort of gotten far away from you a little bit. And I'm just telling you today, the Lord's, here's what the Lord's saying. It's all right. If you'll just put your hand out to mine, you'll find my hand is right there. You know, when Peter was sinking, when he began to doubt the Lord that day, he reached his hand and the Lord's hand was right there to pull him. He, mm, and that's what the Lord will do for you. If circumstances have overwhelmed your life, I promise you his hand is right there to take you out of that situation, to pull you above those circumstances. And so I just pray that. And there's no, no judgment on the Lord's heart towards any person in this room. Nobody in this room should walk out of here today feeling condemned. You should feel full of hope. You should feel full of love. And you should feel that God is for you because that's what He's telling you today, that I am for you and I am for those dreams. I'm for those dreams. And whether you've blew it, whether you've made a mess of them, He says, I am still for those dreams. I'm still for them. I'm still for them. So, Lord, I pray that. I pray that. Just what you said to me. When I said to you, Lord, I have just made a mess. Lord, I have made a mess. I have failed, Lord. You said you didn't fail. It's what you said. You have not failed. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would hear that. You have not failed. You know what the Lord told me? One day, I was recounting all the messes that I have in my life. And he said, Byron, in the kingdom of God, in Christ, there are no messes. There are no messes. Don't call them messes. Don't call them messes. Call them fertilizer. 
Call them fertilizer and you'll grow. Call them fertilizer. I just pray, Father, that hope would arise in these hearts again. Every person in this room, I pray for hope. If you have hope for your family, your children, your grandchildren, your business, your ministry, your dreams, yourself, your spouse, your marriage, I pray today that hope would just ignite inside of you. Because the Bible says hope abides. That's what the Bible says. I pray, Lord, that you would stir hope in your people, your children, your sons, your daughters. I pray that hope would stir in them today. And they would hope again. They would see again. And I pray, Father, they would begin to see you. See your heart like they've never seen it. And they begin to see themselves, their identity. They begin to see a greater self. When I was looking at that picture of myself as that little boy, I was saying, oh, how I wish I could go back and do it all over again. And the Lord said, no, no. You don't go back and do it all over again. You don't do that. You see it the way He saw it. You see what He did. That's what you see. If you've had an abortion today, I'm just telling you right now, You're safe. That baby's safe. If you're with Jesus, you're safe. You don't have to think anything bad. If you wrecked your marriage today, you're safe. Just give all that to Jesus right now. Whatever it is that's in your life that's really eating at you, I just ask you to give it to Jesus right now. Let Him have it. If it's your future that's eating at you, give it to Him right now. He knows your future. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. That was one of the reasons He let me see the building burning. I got my money out. And another bank came in and took over. Nothing was going to happen to my money because he had my future secure. All right. Do we have a ministry team for anybody who would like for somebody to lay hands on them and just touch their hearts? Father, I just pray for a revelation of, of the Father for everybody in this room. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, bless you, and I pray that this somehow or another you know if you haven't had an encounter a real encounter in in your heart this morning I pray that before this week is out you will have an encounter with the Lord a real living encounter that really will grab hold of you in a fresh way I just bless you with that and believe that God wants you to encounter Him in significant ways in the days ahead in Jesus name you can be if you want prayer come up here and let somebody pray for you and love on you and
Thank you, Lord.